heard a story about a little boy who went up to his father. It was one Sunday morning, and he said, Daddy, he said, can we go to church this morning? And his dad said, no, son, because in this house we do not believe in God. Well, a little later in the day, the little boy came up to him, came up to his dad, handed his dad a Bible, and he said, Dad, will you read me a Bible story out of this Bible that Grandma gave me for Christmas? And he said, no, son. He said, we do not read that book because we do not believe in God in this house. Well, lunchtime rolls around and they're sitting together and the little boy looks at his dad and he says, Dad, can I say a prayer for the food? And his dad says, son, he says, get it through your head. Understand, we do not believe in God in this house. The little boy said, yes, sir. And so after lunch, the father went and he hopped in his recliner and he was watching some Sunday afternoon football and the little boy came up to him one last time and he says, Dad, and his father says, yes. And he says, Dad, he said, do you think God knows that we don't believe in him? Y'all can laugh. Thank you. I thought it was funny. But it does make this point, despite all who have said we won't believe in God, mankind still believes in the concept of deity. It doesn't matter where you go. You'll always find people in every part of the world who believe in a supreme being or a higher power. And as Christians... We unquestionably confirm that to be true. In fact, we take it a step further than most world religions in that as Christians, we say that our God is the one and only true God. Amen? i got to get you all talking this morning. And really, that's the purpose of this series. As we study the names of God, it helps us to understand who this God really is. And and that's so important because as A.W. Tozer wrote, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. In other words, who God is in your mind has everything to do with how you deal with this life. And I guarantee you there's someone in this audience or there's someone watching online right now whose life seems to be falling apart. It seems chaotic and dark. Which, by the way, did you realize that's how the universe began? Just look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 with me this morning. This is probably a verse that the majority of you here this morning can quote. It says, in the beginning, what church? God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. Now, the Hebrew word for God there is the word Elohim. Elohim is found some 2,500 times in the Old Testament alone, and it is used to describe God as 
the creator. And I hope you understand that, that, that God is the creator of everything that was made. And he did it just by speaking. That's how, that's how powerful and mighty he is. In fact, look at Psalm chapter 33, verse 6. It says, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. You know, scientists tell us that the universe began with some sort of big bang. But they can't tell us where those gases or, or the matter came from or why it even happened. But as we get in to Genesis chapter 1, it tells us all that. It says, Elohim. In other words, it was God who made all of this happen. And well, notice what happens next. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And then you get into verses 4 through 5. I mean, we could learn so much just from those two verses. But you keep reading verses 4 through 5. It says, God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And, and so notice God is orchestrating this order, this separation. And there was evening, and there was morning and this was the very first day. Go back to verse 2 because I don't want you to miss this. It says, now the earth was what church? Formless and empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. Before God creates the beauty... And the orderly, before he brings about light, there is this chaotic darkness. In fact, if you look at that phrase, formless and empty, in the Hebrew, it literally means chaotic and confused, a disorderly place. Now, let me stop right there. Let me ask this question. How many of you would say that there have been times when that describes your life? Maybe it describes your life right now. Kind of chaotic, confusing, dark. You know, it's amazing how the life that we've kind of created for ourselves, nice and orderly and controlled, can all of a sudden just be swept away by chaos and darkness. Maybe we lose a loved one. Maybe we ourselves get sick or ill. Or maybe it's our marriage. Or, or maybe we start struggling with our kids. Or, or maybe we start having trouble financially. You know, you, you've got the car that's starting to have some trouble while at the same time your air conditioner goes out. I mean, your life is, is really, I mean, if you were to describe it, you would probably say it's just kind of chaotic at the moment. 
It's a mess. It's dark. And listen, it's okay to admit that. God doesn't ask us to pretend like everything's great all the time because He knows that it's not. He understands we can't control this world, and so there's, there's chaos at times, and, and there's darkness. And here's the deal, that's exactly, listen to me this morning, when Elohim shows up. Right? Go, go back and, and look at verse 2 again. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. And what was there, church? Darkness. But notice who else is there. In the darkness, the Spirit of God was hovering, waiting. Even through the chaos and, and darkness, God was there all along. And all along, and, and then God spoke and He says, Let there be light, and the powers of darkness wilted away, and God created out of that darkness and chaos beauty and life and order. And that's who God is. That's, that's Elohim. This wasn't something that just happened one time thousands of, of years ago. This is, this is who our God is. And I hope you take comfort in that. I mean, this is, this is what God does all the time. I mean, you fast forward thousands of years later to the New Testament where Jesus comes, God's own Son, and He lives among us, right? In a very dark time. And this is what Jesus says, I am. And remember two weeks ago we said that was reference to Yahweh, to God Himself. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. Jesus wants us to understand. We don't have to live in darkness because God has power over darkness and chaos. Some of you know the story of Jesus. You, you know what later happens. He's arrested under the cover of darkness. And he is illegally tried in the shadows. He is falsely accused condemned and then just to the bewilderment of, of his disciples, he is taken and a cross is placed on his back and he's going through the streets struggling under the weight of that cross which is symbolic of how Jesus took the weight of the world, all of our sins and all the world's darkness upon himself. Elohim. The one who created the trees was nailed to a tree. Elohim, the one who put blood in our veins, shed his own blood. Elohim, the one who shouted everything into existence, let out a final cry, it is finished. And then after he died, they took him down off of the cross. And they placed him in a tomb... 
And they rolled a huge stone in front of that tomb so that Jesus would be trapped. So that Jesus would be locked up in darkness. And for many, hope kind of died in that moment. But again, that's when Elohim shows up, right? Because on the third day, he rolled away the stone and light burst forth into the tomb. And Jesus sits up alive and victorious. And he walks out of that tomb. And to this very day, he continues to bring light and love and joy and hope and peace to everyone who will come to him. And so whatever your darkness is today, understand and know that Jesus has risen from the grave to announce that darkness will not have the last word. In fact, John says this about Jesus in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. He says, the word gave life to everything that was created. That's Elohim, the creator. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness, this is, this is very important, understand this, the darkness can never what, church? Never extinguish it. That's awesome news. And what I want to do is I, I want to share with you this morning what that means for us today. First of all, no matter how dark things appear, God is there. He's always there in the darkness. Just as the Spirit of God was there in the beginning, hovering over the darkness and the chaos, waiting to bring forth light, just as He was there in the tomb of Jesus, ready to bring Jesus forth, whatever you are dealing with right now, whatever darkness you are in, God is walking with you. You're not alone. I remember when I was little growing up in Hamilton, Alabama. Behind our house about 50 yards. It was a, a good distance away, kind of tucked back in the woods. My father had built uh, a workshed where he had all his tools, but we also had four-wheelers, three-wheelers, and, and I would go out there, and I'd get on my four-wheeler, and I would ride, and then I would come in in the afternoon, and I would park my four-wheeler, and, and there were times where I would forget to lock up, I would forget to turn the light off, and so it never ceased to fail. My dad, in the evenings, he would look outside, and, and he would see the light on. He would see that everything was unlocked, and so he would call for me. And he'd say, Slate, you forgot to lock up. You need to go out there and turn off the light and, and make sure that everything is secure. And i got to be honest with you, I was scared to death. And so there were times when I would ask my dad, will you go out there with me? And i got to tell you, that made all the difference in the world. Having my dad walking with me, having him right there by my side, even in the darkness. I wasn't afraid because he was there. And as we look at Psalm chapter 23, this is probably one of the most well-known chapters in all the Bible. This is what the psalmist writes in verse 4. He says, even though I walk through a very, white church? 
dark valley. Notice, notice David doesn't say that dark valleys, dark times aren't going to come. He says, even though I walk through a very dark valley, he says, I will not be afraid of anything bad because what? You're with me. Listen, God is there in the darkness. But also, God does some of His best work in the darkness. For example, He can take a seed that's covered in dirt, buried beneath the darkness of the ground, and He can turn it into a beautiful, breathtaking flower. And God can take a weird-looking caterpillar and He can wrap it up in a dark cocoon and have it hang for a while and transform that dark cocoon or that butterfly or caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. And it's true in our own lives as well. God does some of His best work in the dark and, and, and so don't miss it. Right now, God may be shaping you. He may be growing you. He may be transforming you like that caterpillar in the dark cocoon. Right now, yes, you may be in the valley, but this may be an opportunity for Elohim to create something beautiful in your life. Something He's been wanting to do within you for a long time. Maybe it's getting you back to worship studying your Bible, talking to Him in, in prayer. I, I came across this beautiful passage just this week, Psalm 27, verse 8, where it says, God, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. I, I love that. I, I, I love to know that God wants to hear from me. He wants a relationship with you and me, and, and maybe that's what He's doing in the darkness right now is He's just drawing you closer to Him. Or maybe He's working on your patience or your love or how to deal with stress and anxiety. Paul put it like this in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29, and we know that God calls His white church everything. We've talked about that before. Everything would include the good times and the bad times, the chaotic and the dark. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. And that's typically where most people stop. That's the part that we really love. But if you read verse 29, it explains, For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like, what? His son. And so God causes everything, again, the chaos, the darkness, even the, the good times to mold us, to form us, to transform us into the image of His Son, Jesus. Elohim, that's, that's our God, our, our Creator. And the question is, do you know Him this morning? You know, as we get to know Elohim, here's, what's, here's what happens. We have a confidence that He is in control. And I'll explain. You know, sometimes people watch the news or they look at their own circumstances and it seems like the world is spinning out of control. 
hear that from people. Especially now that COVID is, has kind of kicked up again. People are like, man, the world is, is out of control. But those who know Elohim know that before anything existed, Elohim was. And after everything is destroyed, Elohim will be. Do you remember what Jesus himself said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8? He says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the what, church? And the end, says the Lord God, I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. The Almighty One. This is what Paul tried to get across to the people of Athens. Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where Paul was walking down the streets of Athens, and his heart was broken because he saw all this idolatry. But he noticed among all this idolatry, there was this altar... That was, it had the inscription on it to the unknown God. And so Paul tells him in Acts chapter 17, I, I want to tell you, I want to explain to you about this unknown God that you worship. And this is what he says, starting in verse 24 of Acts 17. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. It's kind of a lengthy reading. But he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. And so notice what Paul is, is saying here. When, when you have people, when you encounter people who don't know God, where you want to start, where you want to begin with them, is that God is the creator of everything. Because that is so important. That we understand that. And then he goes on to say in verse 27 through 31, he says, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone an image made by God's or man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now commands all people everywhere to repent. For He has set a day when He will judge the world with justice by the man He has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising Him from the dead. In other words, what Paul is saying is this world's not spinning out of control. God made every nation. He, he even set up every nation's boundaries and the times when they would rise and fall. God authored their history and someday every man, every king, every prince will stand before the maker of the universe, Elohim, and he will judge them and he will prove it. Or he did prove it when he raised Jesus. From the dead. In other words, the author of all that exists is going to write the last chapter. And so when we know Elohim, 
we have confidence that he is in control. I don't have time to to really sing this song, but in in your psalm book, there's a verse, or actually there's a song that goes along with it, what I'm saying this morning, 669, this is my father's world. And and in this song, it, it talks about how Elohim created everything. But then as you get into the last verse of this song, verse 3, it talks about how oftentimes the world seems out of control. But he says, God still reigns. He's still on the throne. It's not out of control. It's still in his hands. And we just need to trust him. And when we understand who he is, that he is Elohim, our creator, that he is in control, then that can bring, that can bring us confidence in a world that seems totally chaotic and dark. But then also when we know Elohim, we trust in his purpose for our lives. We actually looked at this verse this morning, but Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, you have the 24 elders and, and they are crying out, all things, were, all things were created and continue to exist because of what, church? Because of your will. Did you realize that our very existence is the result of the expressed will of God? The fact that you were born, the fact that you are here this morning, on, on God's earth that He created during this time, right now, it was His divine will for all that to happen. In fact, before we took a breath, Elohim was deeply involved in forming each and every one of us. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. I love this passage. It says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Listen, write this down this morning. You are a unique creation of God and God makes no mistakes. Now some of you may struggle at times believing that. Maybe you look at your appearance or maybe you look at your abilities and, and you question God. You know, God, why, why would you even create someone like me? There's, there's nothing special about me. And well, I think God deals with that in Isaiah 45 verses 9 through 12. And again, this is too lengthy for me to put up on the screen, but just listen to what God says. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their Creator? Does a clay pot argue with its Maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? How terrible it will be 
it would be for a newborn baby to say to its father, Why am I born? Or if it said to its mother, Why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says, The Holy One of Israel and your Creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the works of my hand? Am I the one who made the earth? Or I, rather, I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. When you read that, it just kind of appears like God's a little bit miffed, right? He's upset because people are questioning who they are and why they're here. He's saying, look, I made the stars and you're going to argue with me about how I made you. I created the heavens. I created the universe. And you want to question me? There's an interesting story in John chapter 9. Jesus and his disciples, they encounter a man who's blind. And the disciples look at the guy who's blind and they ask Jesus, why, why is he this way? Is it because of something he's done or is it because of something his parents did? And Jesus says, neither. God created him this way so that the work of God could be manifest in his life. And the same is true for all of us. You and I were created specifically by Elohim and put right here at this place, in this time, at this moment, so the work of God could be manifest in our lives. You're special. Oh, you're special. Reminds me of a story. T turn in your songbook to 888. We're not going to sing this one either. We're really out of time, but... The song is, Thank You, Lord, and, and I want to tell you how this song actually came to be. There was a guy by the name of Robert Reed. He was a, a little crippled man. He had uh, cerebral palsy, and so his limbs just really didn't work. But he was determined that God had a purpose for his life. And so he said, I'm going to become a missionary. And he did. For six years, he preached the gospel in Portugal. Well, one day, Robert was riding down the road, and I can't remember where they were going. I, I just looked at the story again this morning online, but... Robert and his friend, Gary Mabry, were going somewhere, and they both got tired. And so they pulled the car over on the side of the road to get some sleep. And Gary said he looked over at Robert, his little crippled body, laying there in the seat of that car, but yet who was so determined to fulfill a purpose and meaning for his life that glorified God. That as Gary looked at him, it caused him to write this song. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Verse 3 says, please reveal your will for me so that I can serve you for all eternity. Use my life in every way. Take hold of it today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving my soul. Let me tell you something. When you come to know Elohim, as Robert did, as God did, or as Gary did, as a God who has a purpose for our life, a God who is there with us even during the dark times, a God who loves us so much that he's willing to send his own son to die for us. Let me tell you something, it changes your whole perspective on life. You began to see what A.W. Tozer was talking about, how, how we think about God in our minds. It affects how we deal with this life because right now, if you're in darkness and you don't know Elohim, you don't know this God who created you, who loves you, who has a specific purpose for you, who's for you and with you, let me tell you something, man, it, it robs you of your hope. But if you know the God who loves you, who created you, who's with you. Oh, man. Even like Robert, you can say, God's got a purpose for me, and I just want to bring him glory by the way I live my life. This morning, do you know Elohim? Do you know God? If you want to know more, I'd love to talk to you. Because God wants to know you. He's seeking you out. As I said, He sent His Son to die for you. And it's through the death and the sacrifice of His Son and the blood that was shed on our behalf that all of our sins completely can be completely washed away. This morning, if you're here and you're struggling in darkness, maybe you even question who you are, why you're here, well, what life's all about for you. Listen, we'd love to pray for you and, and with you. If you're, if you're not comfortable, you can come up here and you can uh, leave up on the cross a prayer request. It can be something you're struggling with, something you're going through, or some way you want God to use you or grow you. And I'll pray over that. Our elders will pray over it as well. But this morning, if you have a need, whatever that need may be, won't you come as together we stand as we sing.